two hunters in deer camp woke up in the middle of the night. Look at the stars. What a splendor, said one hunter. Yeah, but what do you think happened to our tent, said the other. You're listening to the Smackdown Outdoors podcast. Welcome to the Smackdown Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Glimmerveen, and this is episode number number one. And we are fortunate enough to actually have a guest for the very first podcast. If you've ever been to Spring Lake Park, Minnesota, and bought and bait, you probably know who I'm going to be talking with today. Well, one of two guys, but we only have one in one in today. Um, Betos Bait and Tackle in Spring Lake Park is... One of these rare places where you literally find nobody to say a bad word about the business itself. We have Greg Fisher in the building, in studio, day podcast studio, whatever you want to call this place. And this is fantastic. <laughs> I'm loving it. Yeah. Man, Thank you, you, Doug. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for hey, thanks for you know coming on and wasting a couple hours and. You know, hanging out. I see it as being pretty fun. I'm looking forward to it. Well, well, you're here, so you don't have to look yep. forward to it. Anyway. <laughs> <I'm here. laughs> so, Greg, why don't you take a couple minutes, tell people your background. We'll get into Vados' history, but just kind of let them know your fishing background, how you got in the bait business, all that stuff. I think it's because my name is, last name is Fisher. That had to be something to do with it. <laughs> it was meant to be. Some, something along that line. Um, but I got into the fishing world back in 1985 was my first job in the industry. And I started kind of chasing that, um, just prior to that through a little bit of education. And I didn't really intend to do that, but some things happened in my life that changed where I was going. And fishing was always one of those passions I always wanted to chase too. Um, didn't really know for sure if it was going to turn into my life's work. And it did, which is fantastic, and I'm glad I can say that. Um, no, there's a lot of people I know that go, well, if I could just be in the fishing industry. True. You know, for and a living. Oh, it's my dream. Right. Well, yeah. And, and there are some maybe more glamorous sides of the industry than mine, but um, I'm, I'm, I like where I'm at, and I like, I like the, part of my, the part of my job that I like the most is the interaction with other fishermen. Um, over the years, I've been able to cross paths with almost every walk of life in the fishing world as far as types of fishermen and how they attack the sport and how they participate in the sport and things like that and every one of them is unique in their own way to um just be around you learn a ton from a lot of people and um you learn from people you don't expect to learn from and um after many years being around it it hopefully helps me teach people that are trying to find their way in it. Um, and that's the funnest part, just sharing kind of things I've done and sharing techniques and encouraging them to try and all so that. Your typical big right. shop talk. Right, yeah. You know. But my first job was in uh, 1985 in a little bait shop in White Bear Lake called White Bear Bait and Tackle, which um, was about the second second or second bait store I looked at purchasing. Because um, at that point I was decided determined that probably would be the way I'd try and go. And um, 
I worked there for a while, and I passed on owning it, and then I moved to another spot in White Bear. I always liked that area. Um, worked there for a while. That became the, another store I considered. And thirdly, I've worked in another store in White Bear, and that was owned by Gordy Vadis. And um, when I started working there, it was with the possible intention of buying that store. And um, he said, if you decide you don't want to buy this store from me, would you consider coming and running my store in Spring Lake Park, Vados? And that's where I ended up, and that was an incredible experience to be able to work with Gordy and his wife Sandy and just see all the hard work of that family. And uh, So and what, that, what year was that that you started working in Spring Lake Park then? 1990. So you've been there for, wait, 28 years? Yeah. Other than I left for about a year, a little over a year, a year and a half, um, to work for a little product development company um, in the fishing and hunting business. But um, I then came back after about that, after meeting up with Gordy at one of the buying shows. And uh, and kind of invited me back, and I accepted. And next thing you know, my cousin Eric and I ended up buying it from Gordy and Sandy. And he went on in another direction, and we tried to do our best to hold up our end of his old business. So you and Eric are actually cousins. Yes, I did, and I just thought it was just like a you know because you guys call your Eric calls you cuz all the time. Yeah, and I just thought it was like, hey, cuz, what's up? That Our kind moms are sisters. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Hey, I learned something. <laughs> Yay! I learned something. So, you, so you guys, you started working at Beto's. Mm-hmm. When did you guys actually like buy it? We bought it in June of two thousand is when we took over. Okay. And. Um, Eric came on board. He had a he had a job and a young family, and it was scary and all those other things involved with it. But as we got through that first summer and it started heading towards fall, um, we knew we were going to also purchase the shipping business from Gordy and Sandy. But we took the bait store first, and we were intending to buy that probably in the next year or so. And when you say shipping that. business, I know what it means. Yeah, Vados sure. Bait Express. It's the business that we 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 ship live bait basically around the country. Um, summer and winter and uh we knew that was we were planning on that being part of our our purchase from him and future growth or future company and um gordy talked to me in it early that fall of 2000 and said that he just he couldn't he didn't have time to focus on trying to keep that going and we needed to make a decision on that by the first year so we ended up kind of jumping into that sooner than we were ready for um at least what we thought we were ready for but that got us to that business sooner, and we got going in it, and, you know, it was one of those things you kind of jump in. And Gordy was, did his best to kind of show us the ropes and in both businesses, for that matter, um, and help us to get started and stuff like that. And that was a great, a great thing. It was challenging, but when I talk about challenges in business, I, I almost feel like, why bother talking about it? Because every business has challenges, and right, and right. It's just, I mean, I'm going to have part of the game. I'm going to have challenges <laughs> with this podcast, right? It's, exactly. Yeah, any, I mean, yeah, any so. business, anything you do, you're going to have some challenge. Right. I don't know anybody that's been able to do Almost anything smooth. and go from point A to point B, and right. it'd be perfect. So right. So that that would began our Vado Spate and Tackle Vado Spate Express adventure. That cool. Kind of, yeah, that, that's cool. So. The Vados, like, what's the history of Vados? When did it start? Well, from what from what I remember of Gordy telling me, um, hopefully I'm not missing too far off. Well, we'll just say you can ballpark it. Okay, fine. I don't think Gordy will probably listen to this. It, it well, if you you never know, <laughs> he's pretty. <laughs> hey, Gordy, if you listen to this, thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Gordy. Um, 1947, I guess 
Gordy's uncle John started the business. And soon after, somewhere right around that time, John's brother, Jim, who was Gordy's dad, joined in forces a little bit and helping him with bait and help trap and this and that. And they began their business down on Lowry. I wish I could, I, I don't remember the street crossing or, or the address, but it was down on Lowry. In Minneapolis for right. people that aren't from here. Yeah. And um, in 1950, he bought the property the store is currently on. Um, and at that time, he was told that there was gonna, they were going to put a stoplight in on that intersection, which would have been a real blessing to him. But it would have been a real bummer for us, I think, just because of traffic on such days as opener and things like that, to have a stoplight there with all those boats and everything parked in the street. Yeah, that would have been a nightmare. Yeah. It's bad enough because it's, it's not a very big place. I mean, you get three right. or four boats, and it's like, oh, we're, we're, yep. where do we park? It, I, I wish <laughs> I wish we had video because back in, in the 90s, um, back when Gordy and Sandy owned it and I was working for them, I remember some of the owner openers, and, and Sandy actually got one of those highway vests, which was kind of unique. Were they then. parking on 65? She, well, she no, she was just using it so she didn't get hit in the parking lot. Oh. Traffic. <laughs> there was so many people back yeah. then. You know, it was back in the days when we were advertising with Bearfax and Fishtails, and, oh, man, those great years with those guys. Mark and Larry Bullock, if you don't know about Bearfax and Fishtails, I'm telling you, listen to Bob FM. They're incredible. Um and great guys, and it was wonderful to work with them for so many years. But they would broadcast from out in front of the bait shop back in the early 90s, and it was just a gas. Um, they'd be sitting out there, and they'd be rating the cars going down the highway and the boats if they were level or not on the hitch. and no. Just all kinds of fun, silly stuff. <laughs> he needs stuff, a six-inch drop and Yeah, exactly, three. exactly. Um, but it was it was mental back then. Um, it was great times. And, you know, Mille Lacs Lake was Mille Lacs Lake back in those days, so... Our customer base for that lake alone was huge, and the amount of bait that would we'd sell for that was tremendously different than it is now. Even though we're still good um, at bait, but you also didn't have you know the competition. That to some did, degree, yeah. a lot of those guys, the, yeah. the stalwarts up there, were there, and yeah. there was room for everybody. Um, and it was great for everybody that was around that lake. Um, and I'm glad I got to be part of it for a few years. Um, I babbled on so much, camera. Oh, so we were down on Lowry. Oh, yeah, we were down on Lowry. And in 1950, <laughs> we opened up at Beatles. Thank you, Doug. Um, we opened up where we are now. And uh, the house. it was a house with the kind of the lower section, if you've been in the store where the tanks are, that was the whole store. Um, and John lived in the house. And then about 1983, I think it was, when Gordy bought the store from his uncle John. Um, and him and Sandy lived in the house. For most of those years, up I think just prior to me starting with them in 1990, so probably somewhere around 87, 88 in there, maybe, they might have purchased the land where they moved to away from the house store. And when I started with them, it was their intent, hopefully, to gut the house and make it store. And that's when that happened in 1990. And from then on, it was really kind of wonderful to see the growth change because we, Gordy and I, and Sandy, we kind of teamed up on some different things and ways to present bait and our focus on tackle and all those things changed dramatically with that extra space and the store grew really in a really neat way. It was really fun. I can only imagine being in there when it was just down by the bait tanks. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't, I mean, there's no space in there. Right. I mean, it you was, have bait it, tanks and that's it. Yep. Not much wall space. And, and really that's what that business was, was about was their live bait. 
Gordy did an incredible job and John did an incredible job, but they, Vado's family always did a great job of getting bait and, and having the bait that was hard to get and having great healthy bait. And, and that's what our reputation was. And well, it, it still and we hang is. on. We it, try our yeah. best to do. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, you talk about anybody, you know, talk, you talk to anybody in the state and you'd mention Vado's and it's, oh yeah, their bait is awesome. Yeah. That's cool you know, to hear. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you got the best crawlers, you know, anybody who's bought a crawler from you knows mm-hmm. you got the best crawlers there are. I mean, yeah. you know. Well, that's cool. So. We, we love doing that. Yeah, so it was a. It's got a really neat history. I wish. I wish there was some way because I. I. You know, we've talked about how long I've been around there, and that's. I think we just surpassed the amount of time Gordy actually owned it within the last year or so. Eric and I. Oh, know, really? Have had it longer than Gordy did, um, but. Um, you think of the history and the generations of people that have walked through those doors whichever configuration it was. And we still see them coming and the new ones that are coming, but it would be so fun, you know, to, I wish we could dig all, dig those pictures out from back in the seventies and in the eighties and the sixties and tie them all together and let everybody kind of look at this wall of history would be so cool. See who's been through there. Right. But I have no idea how I could ever even begin to do that, but be fun <laughs> first start with finding those, box, those boxes Excuse of pictures me. which are probably long gone and yeah exactly so they did the remodel mm-hmm. which gave it basically it was kind of more than it's almost more than double oh yeah double the size yeah, well it, definitely double the size it gave us retail space and yeah. we, we quickly did, you know back in those days it was amazing you know gordy <clears throat> gordy and sandy had a great relationship with dave gens and dave gens was not that far along. I mean, he, the first time I ever saw Dave was 1985 when he came into the store. I was working at White Bear, dragging in a, a blue wooden bottom fish trap and a tub full of maggots because um, he was in cahoots with Gordy. And, and he was a, definitely a maggot fisherman, and he still is. And uh, we all probably know what Dave has done to the fishing industry with his passion and his creative ideas um, to bring electronics to that world and everything else and mobility and so with that relationship, it was hand in hand, and we sold fish traps like crazy. Oh, my gosh, it was fun. And everybody wanted to come there because we had that affiliation, and they all knew Dave shop there. And, and you know, all those things kind of came together. It was a really neat blend. Well, you know, one of my probably one of my favorite things is, you know, when I go I'm hanging out at the shop, and, you know, Dave's coming a couple times, mm-hmm. or the Grizz has been there, mm-hmm. and just the old timers that are in there. Yeah, it's I fun. can't remember what his name is, but the guy that's always got the cigar hanging out of his mouth, but he never he didn't smoke them. Oh, Ron. Yeah, yeah Ron. Ron I, I mean, talking to these old guys and mm-hmm. just hearing their stories and their little tips and stuff, and how Ron he don't put any color on his jig at. Yeah, he fishes with just a lead jig, right. and a black plastic mm-hmm. or maybe some other color. But I mean, that's how he fishes. That's it. Lee Maloney catches monsters. Right. Exactly. You know, just hearing some of these stories. Well, when uh, Jr. was in. Yeah, you know, oh, the other day, Dwayne's and great. you guys were talking. Just, I just was sitting there, just kind of listening yeah. to you two. Oh, and yeah, it, it's He's, yeah, that guy's got history. Wow. Yeah, well, you both have a lot of history. Yeah. Well, that's I'm getting there. <laughs> I mean, he's older than you, yeah. Right. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a little older than you, but um, so you guys took over the business, remodeled the place. Well, Gordy had done that, yeah. Or go, oh, Gordy, Gordy had yeah. Gordy remodeled Gordy and it, Sandy and then had it on okay. an idea. Okay. And then you guys bought it afterwards. Right, exactly. Okay, all right. And then the shipping business came with that, or did that start? Like after? I say, we picked that up about eight months after we bought the store. We picked it up that January 1 of 2001. 
And he owned that before? He had that before. He started, I think he started that business about 19, in the, just in the 85 to 87, somewhere there, 86. He, I think he started that when he um, started doing maggots. And it was a great avenue to move leeches that weren't necessarily big demand leeches for our state. Um, it was a nice Thing that fit well with Gordy and Gordy. Gordy was always an innovator. He always liked to do things that other people didn't necessarily like to do. You know, with types of bait and raising bait and just doing things. And and he was a really cool guy about that and a wonderful um, ambition. He was a he was a, kind of a nice mentor. Well, you wonder how a lot of places get bait. Yeah. You know, not a lot of people know that you guys ship bait. Yeah. So yeah. why don't you tell them? Oh, there you go. There you go. That's Talk about the shipping business. Our shipping business, we can ship most baits. We don't ship minnows, but we ship a lot of waxworms and maggots, and we ship leeches in the summer and nightcrawlers in the summer, and um, in general, those are the primary baits, a little bit of mealworm business and things like that. But a lot of of parts of the country don't have access to bait that Minnesota does, Um, and you don't have to get that far from Minnesota to see that being less and less available. And uh, well, most of the worms come from Minnesota, don't they? Not nightcrawlers; those are mostly Canadian, actually. Okay. Um, Minnesota's got great crawlers. We just don't have the, I guess, the mechanism, the the workforce, and the the places to harvest them like they do there. They're kind of set up for it, and um, and they do it great. It, it it would be neat if we could do it here, but I think I don't know. Who knows? Maybe someday. Um, but the leeches definitely are very prominently from Minnesota. There's not a lot of trapping outside of Minnesota. So the leeches that go basically anywhere in the country, for the most part, a big portion of them come from here. Is that just because they don't, they don't, they're not prevalent in bodies of water? Yeah. Yeah. They just don't have those waters that hold them. Um, so that, that made our shipping business have a place to start. And, and, the the maggot business that we do is really wonderful business in the winter. Um, they're a very popular winter bait and, they travel well. They, they're easy to keep when cold conditions. And I always find it crazy how, like, when you guys are talking about, oh, yeah, we need to ship 50,000. Mm-hmm. It's like, you think 50,000 of what? And then, you, of course, you look and like, oh, well, they're so small. It's like, I wish they were a dollar a piece. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was just hearing some of the numbers you guys are talking about. I'm like, God, like you know, hundreds of thousands and this and yeah. that. And it's like, millions. Could you, yeah. you imagine moving 100,000 crankbaits? <laughs> <laughs> Sweet, I've had that dream. <laughs> yeah, how far do you, how far do you guys have you guys shipped? Predominantly, well, both coasts. We ship all over this, the United States. We used to ship a little bit in Canada, but that um, is really we don't. It's we just leave that alone. We stay in the states. Yeah, well, it's, I always find it funny because you guys get you guys get crawlers from Canada, mm-hmm. and then the amount of guys that buy crawlers that bring them to back. go to Canada right. to go fishing, and they can't even bring Canada's dirt back to them. Yeah, <laughs> it's like so. The crawlers are just doing a big, you know. T- yeah, round trip back it to is Canada. Extremely ironic to think that we take their dirt, we take the crawlers out of their dirt, put them in bedding so they can go back to Canada. But it is a lot cleaner in the boat than that peat moss. That oh yeah, dirt, in, actual yeah. dirt in a boat. Yeah, jeez, oh, nasty stuff. Mud. And the crawlers do pretty good in the bedding too, especially if you're fishing with them. Get get that pile diminished. Oh yeah, well that, and if you're you know catching a lot of fish, who cares if the boat's dirty? Right, that means that's true. There there are hoses. <laughs> you're going through a lot of bait. Boat's dirty. No one cares because you got a bunch of fish. Mm-hmm. Um, since we're on the topic, tell why don't you talk about why 
you can't bring the dirt over the border and you got to do it in the bedding and all that stuff. Well, I don't know the exact specifics, but I think it's the fact that there could be things trans, trans brought into Canada that Canada doesn't want. So they just make a blanket rule to say you can't bring dirt across our border, can't bring potatoes, you can't, I think it's a lot of earthborne stuff. Yeah, fruits, vegetables. Yeah, foods, yeah. Natu- those things you can't bring in anymore. Um, and it's just, I guess, countries just trying to keep things that they don't want in out. So in order to bring crawlers across the border to Canada, you need to do? You need to take them out of the dirt that they're in and put them into some form of artificial bedding. We use Fat and Sassy. Um, it's a... It's a real good pre-mixed bedding that the crawlers will eat through, and that's a good thing too. And just it's just newspaper base, isn't it? Well, there's or yeah, there's something. I don't know what, what is the, that. I don't know what this recipe is, and you know, I, it's his recipe, and I haven't bothered him to try and find out because um, it's affordable. So <laughs> hmm. if it was really expensive, I'd be figuring out my other way. And I've used, we've we've used other types over the years that we used to have to mix with water, and I'm glad this came along. In all honesty, because it's a lot faster. No, it's faster. It's cleaner. Yep, and it stores. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to worry about yeah. it. You know, getting too wet, too dry. Right. It doesn't spoil. And and you can transport leach in it too. A lot of guys do that for like boundary water trips. Yeah, I saw. I was at the shop the other day, and there was a guy talking about it. And I don't yeah. know if it was you or Eric or yeah. whatever telling him try this. It might have been you. Could have been. Yeah. What I don't know. Did he ever get back to you? Oh, I, I, we've had it? lots of guys do it over there. Oh, okay. Some of our old employees used to do it yeah, when they do the boundary water trips because it's so much lighter than carrying water. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. You just mo- make sure that it's, it's moistened and. Throw mm-hmm. it in there and you're good yeah, to go. Yeah, and, and and our bedding is, and I, I don't know for sure if this is true. I I remember Gordy always saying that the a leech is the closest living relative or closest living creature to the family of night crawlers, so they're very kind of like a water worm, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. they kind of survive similarly, like a crawler can live in the water and a leech can live in bedding. I'm still, you know, I'm still. And everybody said this at some point. Like, who was the first person to go, oh, let's put a worm on a hook and throw it in the water? That was me. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> You've got your answer, people. It was Greg. He said, hey, I'm going to start something new. Yeah, it's just, yeah, let's throw a hook, in a, in, you know, a worm on a hook and throw it in the water. Yeah. Like, who? Because I've never seen, I've never been out on a lake and seen a worm swimming in the water. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. But the dirt meets the water, I guess. so they can get in. Well, yeah. I mean, I know. I don't know. That's one of those things. It's kind of like anything. I mean, who was the first person? You know, well, like Benjamin Franklin or whatever, mm-hmm. with the key on the string. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Good Next luck. three people got good, killed good, trying it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, yeah. I don't know. So you can't bring. You got to make sure that your crawlers are not in dirt. They're cleaned off. Correct. And is there any, you got to put them in any special container or well, just? we create packages that we refer to as Canadian packs for a certain, two certain quantities. One is a half Canadian flat, which is 250 crawlers, which we count. And then our, a full Canadian flat is basically the quantity of worms that we purchased by the flat from the Canadian pickers. And it's roughly 500. It's done by weight. They'll, they'll count 500 and weigh it, and they'll put that amount of weight in each flat from then on from that batch. And uh, it's a it's a really great amount of crawlers either way, depending on the size trip you're taking. And then we also package up in bedding also um, packages smaller net. We do a six dozen pack, which 
is a, a real handy pack too for a lot of different trip links and number of people. But with the Canadian flats, we, we have a special cooler that we put them in and obviously the bedding and the worms and we kind of configure a hinge on it with tape and stuff to keep it all sealed up and put a freezer pack in there so it travels really well. You make the other guys do all that fancy hinge you got there. I try to teach them how. There's a right way and a wrong way. My way's the right way. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> try it again. How about this time, sir? No, it's not right. <laughs> um, worms, crawlers, how do you keep them alive? How do you keep them the longest? You know, you buy a flat you know, in the beginning of the year, sure. what's going to keep them the longest? Um, best recommendation if you're going to try and keep them without feeding them and not having to rebed them all the time. Um, if you were to buy like a half flat, we'll start with that quantity because that quantity, if you bought a half Canadian flat from us, that 250 crawlers fits really comfortably in that container we put them in. And if you put them in a fridge and you keep them around 38, 39 degrees, 40 degrees, They'll keep really well. They don't hardly eat anything. They're not moving a lot. Um, kind of dormant. Right, yeah. Putting them at that temperature. Correct. And another another kind of bait tidbit, if I remember correctly, from when I, I learned a lot of things from Gordy Vadis, and one of the things I remember him saying was that if, if a crawler, if you keep them below 45 degrees, they, they barely eat. And if you once they hit over 45, like 46 degrees or so, they will eat twice their weight a day really yeah it's just amazing what there's like a temperature perfection right in there if you keep them below that you're going to not have to feed them they're not going to mess up your bedding near as quickly if you keep warmer than that everything else starts happening their metabolism picks up and all kinds of things um there are worm ranches and guys do keep them in those i don't know if how how, if you've ever seen them they used to sell these big styrofoam trays and they, they were called worm ranch and you put the crawlers in some kind of peat moss or a bedding whatever you want and keep them in your basement or something, you know, 45, 50, 55 degrees. And they'll actually reproduce in there, um, hmm. hence the farm name. Um, but you, it, you'd have to, it takes a lot of work to um, keep them clean and take care of them and things like that. And then split them out and different things like that. But you can get a little bit of re, re, reproducing going on and stuff like that. And some guys have fun doing that. Um, I always tell them they, they need to fish more. <laughs> well, yeah, that. And, okay, here's a uh, service, public service announcement. Do not make babies, baby worms, because then you'll put Vados out of business. So, we don't need that. Yeah, we don't need that. <laughs> um, no no worm ranching out there. Just buy your crawlers at Vados. Um, okay, so it's it's basically easy. Keep them cool. Keep them cool. Keep them dark. Change your bedding if they Give start them, now, getting the, dirty. Do, how much air do they really need? They really don't need much. They get okay. plenty through those. As long as foam. it's in styrofoam. And the other part that I was going to get to, too, in addition to that, I like to recommend that you take a look at them at least every thir- three days, but every other day is great. Just open up the box. If you see any sick crawlers, they usually get pushed by the ones in there. Kind of, They end up getting pushed up into the edges of the container. Take those out and get rid of them because you don't want dying or dead or sick crawlers in with your good supply. It's like a it's like a fish, yeah. You know, minnows. If you get a one that's floating, yep. get it out of there. Yep, they're living in a little tiny world that everybody gets affected by, and that's in there. So take care of that. And if the bedding starts looking like you need to rebed them, you can come to the store. Bedding is very affordable. I think we sell it for like a buck fifty a pound or something. Yeah, and a pound goes a long way. Yeah. I mean, what so, is it? A pound or two yeah. in a in a one well of PC seven, depending on if it's a half flat or full fat, you'll probably get two to three pounds somewhere yeah. right in there. So it's not much bedding, and you don't necessarily all the time have to change it all, but you can. 
Um, but just make sure they're clean that way and just take a look at them. I like the PC7 because you can flip it over. And if they are eating, they'll eat their way back down through. Um, and just make sure mm-hmm. your lid's on good, when yeah. you, especially when you pick it up, if, if, if they're upside down. Um, so that's pretty much it. And then temperature is a real key. Just keep them cool. I got a, my fridge, my bait fridge is in there. Mm-hmm. I can't keep anything upstairs. Well, it's understandable. Every every once in a while, I'll sneak a little thing of the, you know, Euros or whatever in there. <laughs> and she'll find them and she'll go, get these bugs out because everything's a bug to her right no matter sure. if it's a crawler or a crankbait it's all bugs. it don't belong with the food yeah exactly and i'm <laughs> like it's in a container i don't care i'm just glad she didn't i had a a couple of six packs in this one and i didn't quite get the lid clamped down mm-hmm. and open it up and i'm like why is there a crawler on the top <laughs> shelf and i start looking around i'm like why are there i was like a half a you know half a dozen of these crawlers like all over my my fridge and it had been a couple of days so they were all dead or whatever and i go what's going on so i look at them like oh there get them get them closed up and then i was fine mm-hmm. all right so crawlers if you guys got any more questions on crawlers and well one last thought too i mean i don't blame guys especially if they live a little ways from us mm-hmm. and they it's not as easy for them to come and get some you definitely save money by buying in volume but a lot of times with bait let you can let us be this the stockpile because we continually have fresh bait if you can just get what you need fish run out of bait come get more come get more you're always going to have the freshest bait you're always you're never going to have to worry about trying to keep it long term um it's a it's another thing if you fish a lot you know you know you're going every weekend you got some trips coming up Go ahead and save the bait. You can do it. It's just, but why Why do it if you don't have to? Tournament guy. Well, yeah. <laughs> you exactly. know, us tournament yeah. guys, you know, we're... And you need it. Yeah. And yeah. you might need more, you know, with, right. with, with pre-fishing and things like that. I was going to actually build a bait tank because, you yeah. know, Matt, well, yeah. Matt did it with sure. a big cooler and everything. And then I'm just like, eh, I got Vados. And if I really need to save some bait, I'll buy it and maybe throw them some extra money mm-hmm. to keep them in the back. Sure. So, oh, I just got the okay, even though I've never asked you about that. <laughs> nice. Oh, in our back. I thought yeah, you were no, backyard, no, in your no, backyard. No, in the back, in, uh, you, you know, your the backyard back. looks perfect for it. Though. I don't have well water. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I could admit. Actually, I think we might have well water. I don't know. Well, they sell these drops called dechlorinator, too. They work pretty fast. Yeah, that's what I use. I do use that. So, crawlers, we pretty much got that covered. Mm-hmm. Leeches. Yeah. Easy bait. Keep Su- cold, super fresh water. easy bait. Yep. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. They kind of like to be a little bit crowded. If you buy if you buy a half pound of leeches from us, and if you look when, when you're when you grab the cup full of water with the leeches in it, if you look how thick how how deep the leeches are piled on each other, that's really a nice level. Leeches kind of like to be crowded, just not too crowded. They'll actually do better when they're at like that packed amount than they would if you spread them out more. Yeah. Or if they overpiled it. Well, it's always crazy when you guys, you know, you get your tray that you'll take and you'll pour them out on and spread mm-hmm. them all out. It's like, wow, that, you know, that half pound, it, that's a lot of leeches. Mm-hmm. It can and, be. You know, depending on which size, of exactly. course. I mean, if you get some jumbos or magnums, you know, yeah. magnums a half a pound, you're getting like 12 because they're <laughs> the size of a, you know, baseball mitt. Mud flap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mud flaps or there's other words that are used for those, but mm-hmm. I won't get into that. Um, and another thing they can do too is when they come and get leeches from you, just bring an old milk jug. Yeah. I you like can, to, I like f- to recommend yeah, milk jugs because they fit in the fridge yep. so nice. And you can do it with minnows too. If you guys, you know, you come and get you, you know your minnows or your leeches, bring a milk jug. You can fill up your milk jug, and then you can change bait out at home. And that's what I do. As long as we're talking about that, because we might not even get to this this thing. It's relative to hey, we got as much time laws. as we need. Well, no, oh. I just don't want to forget about yeah. It. We're as we're, long as yep. we're talking about yep. water. Yep. Um, it, 
with the new laws about transporting bait and transporting water and having to dump the water out when you leave a lake and all those things, um, and, and they're in place because of waterborne invasive species, like the spawn of zebra mussel is waterborne. And we, and none of us want to wreck our lakes. None of us want that. So abiding with it, we have to find ways that accommodate that. And one thing that you can do, and you can come get water from our store. You can prepare for going fishing by bringing jugs that you might put in a cooler and leave in your vehicle mm-hmm. while you're out on the lake. So when you come off the lake, you got great fresh well water that you can dump the water from the from the boat that you're out there with and put fresh water on them and off you go and you save your bait. We don't we want our bait to live for as long as you need it. That's our goal too. That's why we take care of it. That's why we offer you water. So don't be afraid to take advantage of that. Just come on in and we'll fill your jugs up and you can put them in a cooler. Um, yeah. I've done that multiple, multiple times where, you know, I got my one, I, you know, got the big angled 30 core coolers. Yep. I need two for bait and then I'll fill up two or three more and I've got that water. So whenever I'm going and I need to switch out water, yeah, I've already got water. it. Yeah. Yep. And then you guys got a pretty good supply yeah. of, of well So far, water. so good. So, so, so if far. you need to, if you need to fill up the big cooler, come, come fill up the big cooler. That's fine. And you don't even charge people for that. No, we just love them walking in the door. Yeah. For every so, reason. So leeches, why don't, um, one thing I wanted to cover is the, the, I don't know what the word for this. I don't know if it's the phenomenon or whatever it is about leeches all of a sudden. Disappearing? Not being available after yeah. a certain time. I think you think you'd get used to it after all these years, but I don't. It, it's really frustrating when, it, I mean, it was even more so frustrating before they changed the laws in Canada about bringing leech up there. Um, Because we, uh, the leech business we would have in August was phenomenal for guys going to Canada on these trips. They'd bring, I mean, we used to have, we had one group from Oklahoma, they'd come and buy uh, 20 pounds for their trip up there. You know, it was just crazy. There was lots of that kind of bait use, especially on those Canadian trips. As you guys can imagine, if you've been to Canada, some of those lakes that have 100 fish day is common. Well, you know how many leeches you go through or whatever you're finishing with at that point. Um, but what made it always interesting every year is back in those days, what I what I remember is typically by about the third week of July, for whatever reason, whether it was they're spawned out and it's hot water and they try to recover from spawn by burying in the mud, whatever the theory is, leeches would not swim into traps very well from then on for the rest of the summer, like through August, really to the point of not making it worth trappers even bothering to go out. They might... You, they could set a lake, a couple hundred traps, and get five pounds. And that's a lot of work for not much return. And um, there was other things that probably were more profitable for them to do. And, and well, Five pounds it, of leeches is not a lot of leeches. No, no, it's it really not. isn't. Um, I mean, there's guys, you know, tournament guys bring five pounds of leeches for a tournament, oh, for and sure. they go through it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not a lot of leeches. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense to go out right. there for, you know, yeah. five and, pounds. And usually the jumbo leeches would stop first, and that usually happens somewhere after the 15th to maybe the 20, 25th, somewhere in there, they would all of a sudden, you'd know, jumbos were gone and it switched to larges. And and then by the end of the month, it was pretty much done. And the only way that you had leech from that point on when they basically quit swimming into traps is if somebody would save up enough leech or save up leech when they were trapping well, like in May and June, so that we'd have some through August. And the goal was always try to make it through Labor Day weekend. If you if you had leech through Labor Day weekend, yay, we're all heroes. Right. Um, and then usually 
after a couple of frosts, middle of September, typically some bait would start cat trapping again, and a few guys would get out and catch it, and you'd get fresh bait till you didn't want it anymore. Um, it never was really full season trapping like all jumbos and all that. I never really saw that much big leech after July ever yeah. any year. You'd get some large in the fall. But, yeah, why they do it, I don't know. Because um, now it's gone from that third week to, what was it? It, was it like seems the like the 4th of July. Yeah, it was We'll have great leech yeah. up to the 4th, and then after that, all bets are off. Yeah, and then everybody was like, we need leeches for the 4th of July. And it's like, well, yeah. sorry, don't have any. Well, we got some, you know, baby ones, little mm-hmm. crappy ones. And that was the way, that was how it was basically everywhere. All yep. Anywhere within, I'd say what, well, I think it was Bemidji. We had we found some bigger, yeah. bigger ones, and yeah. they weren't even like, Real big jumbos. Yep. The good thing is somebody out there always has a little nest egg. It's just how oh, yeah. big that nest egg is and whatever store it ends up, how much business are they going to have to get that gone. Well, that and it's the supply or yeah, the demand for leeches is so big. Yeah, exactly. The tournament guys, the normal guys that are, you know, because you take a jig or a hook, you throw mm-hmm. a leech on it under a bobber, and you're going to catch some walleye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the simplest methods, and... I, don't know, I think one of the most fun methods. Yeah, you know, direct catch contact. wallet. Yeah, yep. you just watch that bobber go down and just start reeling. Yep. So leeches, very, and you can ship those too. So yeah, yep. it's just water weight, and we haven't dabbled that much with shipping them and bedding. Maybe that'll be something we mess with, but um, well, that'll cut is, down the weight. Yeah, bedding's lighter than water. Nice medium. I have to see how that goes. Yep, and then so you can. I was, uh, you know, Pat was talking about keeping those dormant too. Yeah, like putting them in getting them really 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 cold the way oh they you get, do you'll you see skim of ice across yeah. the top we have that happen occasionally in our coolers um in the store where they kind of kick into gear really high or whatever reason and it gets really cold and they're colder than we want it where some of them are starting to freeze in the back but you'll notice if you change the water on a leech that's even even the guys that you know put a, all of our containers in the cooler dump a bunch of ice on it go on their trip and they get up there and they change the water and it looks like gel clear gel coming mm-hmm. off the bait mm-hmm. and i i I'm, i i could be wrong but my theory is is that's something that they their bodies they generate to help them from freezing you know because a lot of some of them come in shallower ponds where they could freeze and that's protection natural from, protection yep. from freezing. i've noticed that when i've got mine a little too cold yeah they're, they're slimier than normal yep yep and it just goes out of the bottom of the net and, yeah yep. and these are not the for anybody out there wondering no these leeches are not blood-sucking leeches correct <laughs> Although you do get some of those from time to time. From we try to get them out of there. <laughs> We're not perfect, but we try to get most of them out. Yeah. Now you're one of the you're one of the few kind of bait shops that actually grades your leeches. Yeah. There's not many of us that do that anymore. No. We're we do though. So when you want want a, some jumbo leeches, except for you know real early or real late, you yep. just do a run. But... When they're trapping, we grade them. Yeah. And and um, we grade a, a we have we kind of use the same standards that Gordy and Sandy always used it. It always worked for them, and I thought, why change it? Um, we have it's basically how many leeches per half pound tell us that we're in the right range especially for the time of year and when jumbos are really trapping usually around memorial and that early june leeches are just beautiful the month of june usually our jumbos will probably be about 40 to 45 leeches per half pound Um, and when it's opener typically they're more like about 50 to 55 leeches per half pound Mm-hmm. Um, well, I I like that you guys grade them because, like you know, I've had it where me and Matt will go fishing. Mm-hmm. We'll get mediums and we'll get larges. Mm-hmm. You find out real quick what they're eating off of. You know, the, we went out one time and they didn't. 
eat as many larges as they did mediums. I mean, it was mediums. They wanted mediums. They yep. didn't want that large. So, you know, when you're there and they got different sizes, <clears throat> get a little bit of each. Pardon me. Just I'm saying. sorry for... <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry about that. It's all right. This isn't a fancy radio show. That's good because I'm not fancy. <laughs> oh, come on, Greg. Come on, Greg. Uh, let's see. We talked about crawlers. What do you sell more, crawlers or leech- leeches? I think we sell more leeches, but we sell a lot of crawlers. Yeah. And then there's the maggots. Yep, maggots. The maggots are mental in, in the winter. Yeah. It's, it's just a great bait. Well, like I said, it was, you know, you're telling, I heard somebody one time go, yeah, 500,000. I go, wow, mm-hmm. that seems like a lot. Yeah, we used to have a we used to have a guy that a customer that was out in Pennsylvania, and we literally would truck them out because it was so many maggots, um, for the trout opener. Oh yeah, and guys throwing them on spoons or, you know, I, they 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 drift them under under bobbers. They do it, fish them all kinds of ways uh-huh. on jigs, on flies, on. <laughs> yeah, it's a big bait out there too. Well, it's a great. It's just a fish catching bait, and it, they wiggle on the hook. They they taste good to fish apparently. You know, because they're raised on meat products, so they, they've got a different flavor than, like, a waxworm, for example, that's raised on grain products. Yeah, I've I've become a huge fan of the Euros. Mm-hmm. Over, I used to be just a waxy guy, because yeah. I didn't know any difference. Right, it's like, ah, right. oh, give me some waxies. Yeah. And then it's like, I finally tried Euros, and yeah, putting that on just, like, a 32nd or 64th, even mm-hmm. smaller head jig, just, I am I love them. Yeah. Euros are, are my favorite. Fish catchers, too. Now let's get to the minnows. Minnow, minnow, minnow. Just in case anybody's wondering, yes, they have big, giant sucker yes, minnows for muskies. Great musky suckers. Yes. But you've also got everything else. Mm-hmm. We try to have the as big, a, as big a selection as we can, and we try to grade our sizes so that, like, for example, crappie minnows, we typically have a small, a medium, and a large. Right now, we had to give up the small spot in the tanks because we had so much river bait. And things like that for the last, and now decoy suckers for musky fishing occupy one eight foot bank. Um, so we had to give up the smalls, but we'll have them back as winter comes. And that's a big favorite in the winter. All right, now you don't crappie. need small baits anyway. No, everything, most everything's on the, the ch- bigger. Everything's yeah. on the chew right now. Exactly. So, yeah. Feed me up. Can I get some small crappie minnows? What are you fishing for? <laughs> the, the sucker minnows and the creek chubs? Because you don't need them. Get some bigger ones. Yep, and then we have uh, we've got rainbows in again, and um, that's a fun bait to have. It's it's like a fatted with a racing stripe on it, and they jump like crazy, and they're real active and real hardy. And um, fatteds are finally growing, um, and we're at least on the regular grader now. We're not jumbos yet, but hopefully that won't be too far down the road. They'll get up to that size. And we've got golden shiners and silver shiners now again, and we've got still are getting river mix. The rivers are really high and. Catching crick chubs and stuff like that has really gotten tough and probably could be towards the end for us. I'm unless I get lucky and find somebody that's catching some. Um, and we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be telling people you guys get creek chubs in because all, all the other tournament guys are gonna get mad now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them, Don't that's our secret them. spot. Don't tell them. Yeah, well, and then yeah. uh, sucker minnows, of course, we got all a bunch of sizes of them, so yeah, it's a strong variety. We have 24 feet, of, no, eight times four is 32. We have 32 feet of tanks, and we try to keep them as full as we can. Yeah, you, and then you got the tanks out back, which typically have yeah, that's kind of the back bait in there. So yeah. yeah, no, you guys. The, I mean, the selection you guys get, unless it's one of these time periods where, right, where you, they're know, just you can't there. get anything. You know, the right. the great creek chub creek chub drought of when was that? July or yeah, June? There was, there was. <laughs> All of a sudden, it was just like sorry. 
no creek Back chubs yeah. and everybody wanted them yeah oh yeah well you tournaments mm-hmm. you know here i am going uh greg um so when please, are we getting them in help, when are we getting them please, in no <laughs> tell you what when you get them in let me know if i gotta come all the way back down here three hours i'm coming and it's like hey i'm getting them in all right i'll be there at five o'clock in the morning and then i'm heading up north but um so keeping i want to talk a little bit about keeping minnows sure. alive mm-hmm. have at it well um, we'll just say a guy's going up for the weekend. He's got to get from here to four hours away and then over, you know, what's the best way that you do? I'll go over what I, what right. I do. For any distance, um, as far as coming buying bait from us, even though there's some great systems out there, and I'll talk, we'll talk about those, I'm sure, um, I, I, I'm hard-pressed not to say, put them in an airbag. They don't slosh around. They're going to last wherever you want to go. Um, if you have, tell us how much cooler space you have, how much bait you want, we'll bag them correctly. It'll fit your cooler, hit all the bumps. They'll be just fine. And then when you get there, you can pour lake water, whatever kind of water you're going to put them into storm and fish with, um, on that body of water. You can fill a container, fill your live well and float our airbags in there. And that will slowly acclimate the minnows to that water temp, whether it's hot summer or cold winter. Just like um, if you're buying a goldfish at the store. Right, right, take exactly. It home, put it in the aquarium. And a lot of people want to put ice on the bait. I, If you're going to put ice in the cooler with bait, make sure the bait's not laying right on that ice. You don't need to make the bait colder. You just need to keep it about the same temp it is. And then you need to slowly allow it to change to the temp that you're going to dump them in when you get there, whether it's warmer or colder. Um, airbags work phenomenal. And we have big airbags for lots of bait and big airbags for big minnows and regular size airbags that accommodate the right amount and the airbag is just the bag that the bait comes in when you buy it and we shoot oxygen in there right into the water um another way that they travel really well is in some of these cooler arrangements angle company that angle coolers have have done a really nice job of marketing a cooler system with an aerator frayville's been doing it for a long time marine metal's been doing it for a while um, they just haven't done it to the same level of success. I think timing was everything in their market penetration. However, they began the process. They got a really nice jump on industry, and it got well accepted. Um, that That's just fine. And some of them have plug-in adapters to run out of your vehicle, um, which is nice because you're not running D-sized batteries or things like that, or you don't have to have a power converter in your vehicle to plug them into a 110. Yeah, that's um, that's exactly how I do it. I've right. got I've got angles. You know, Fraybill's got their got a new one out too, and I've got the wall adapter. Yep. I've got the you know the aerators with the batteries and and all that stuff and and know. the cool seal real cooler seal really well. Yeah, so they're not sloshing anyways either. So no, yeah, great. there's there's I mean when I put them there's a cup one isn't seal quite as well, but it's okay. But mm-hmm. like there's a couple of them where when I open the top, mm-hmm. it like. Yep. Does the whole, you know, blows out air and everything. I don't know, my arm's all wet, but whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, we keep them cool, mm-hmm. keep them clean water. Keep them dark because the yeah. lid's shut. Yep. It, one, this is maybe a little thing uh, in, in the comparison. I think an airbag is softer for a minnow to run into if it startles, which they often do if you slow down fast, if it rocks. I mean, when I'm hauling bait, I hear them. Even inside the cab, I'm hearing the bait all in sudden, the big tank in the tank yeah. back. <laughs> rattling around in there and i just go oh no don't beat yourself up you know because well, it's like you know five bass in the in the boat well you, yeah you got a 30 minute ride back and it's exactly. four foot waves yes Hope exactly all my fish make it to weigh in <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> same thing yeah 
So that that's a consideration, and a cooler is a hard thing for them to run into. But it, you know, it 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 still works fine, and it's not a major issue. Where a bag is a little softer to run into, and and you just want to try and keep them as dormant and laying there as possible, because then they settle down and they're not wrecking themselves. They'll so be, if they, so if you're looking, you open up your bait tank or whatever, you step away for a second, let them settle down. So if they're all on the bottom. Mm-hmm. They're good. Yeah, things if are they're up good. towards the top. Nosing up to the top. Start change out water, more air, more air, something like that. Yep, definitely. And you still need to you'll you'll still need to acclimate them acclimate them temperature wise. I mean, really, the way to kill minnows is starve them of oxygen or change their temperature too quickly. Either way, and that they, you can shock them. And whether or not they recover from those shocks is up up to you and luck and everything else. Now, speaking of water. I got it here. Don't use tap water. Correct. Okay. Unless, and I've got a little bottle of it here, and a bunch of different companies make it, but this is like API tap water conditioner. Put a, put a little bit of that in there. There's what Tetra makes another one. Yeah, that's instantaneous pretty much. Yep. Yeah, yeah I've, I've used this stuff. It's, like I said, API. I don't know. I've used the Tetra stuff that Randy uses when he goes and traps. You mm-hmm. can put your water in your bait, in your in your cooler, Put some of this in there per directions, although I don't think it hurts to go a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've we've done we've done it where we put that in there, put the bait right in, and yep. don't lose any of them. Yeah, it's nice because yeah. your 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 well your tap water at home is nice and cool too. Yep, yep. And I'll even and when we were uh, when we were on leech, I even did this, and we had well water mm-hmm. or lake water. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm guessing it was lake water, but it just takes a little bit more of that stuff out. Yeah. So and there are some other products like Finer Shiner. Um, yeah, what's that stuff that's the orange, little orange yeah, containers that you got? Those well, those are like bubble tablets, but they they kind of emit a blue tint to the water. And I think what they're doing is they're, it's got a little tiny bit of a, like a tranquilizer in it. Um, not anything that knocks them out, but it, it, it just mellows them, settles them down so they don't stress for a journey, for whatever, so while you're they're in a bucket. St- you're getting them stoned. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and it helps them regenerate Kids, no, do not try that. Stuff. Yeah, don't eat yeah, one. No, it's just, it's just for fish to get stoned, yeah. not for us. This is not Colorado. All right. So just make sure you, I mean, I've always said to people, keep them cool mm-hmm. or at least acclimated. Right. You know, I mean, like creek chubs are, they're tough bait. Yep. They can be warmer. I mean, they're in creeks. Yep. So warm yep. water. But durable bait. keep the water clean. Lots keep, of air, though, Keep it kind. aerated. Yes. And what I did is I switched to. Here's a, here's a public service announcement to everybody out there. When you get an aerator, it comes with a little ball or little blue thing. Get rid of that. Go buy marine pro, marine products. Right? Marine metal. Marine metal products. They make a disc, a three or a five inch aerator disc. If you're dealing with creek chubs, uh, red tails, bigger suckers, stuff like that, it gives a finer mist, and your your bait's gonna last longer. I've had great luck with yep. that. Saturates the water with air nicely. Yeah, just just make the little sure. ones just don't give out enough air. Right. And and it's difficult to do with these smaller pumps, but you don't you don't want so much bubbles going through your water that it's actually rolling the minnows up to the surface and all. Right. You don't want to tumble your bait with the with the airflow either. But that's hard to do with any of these little pumps we're talking about using. Yeah. And I then the other the other the other thing that we didn't get to too yet that I don't want to forget about is. Yep. Um, for at home or for those times when you can when you're done fishing you get so, get back home especially it's nice to have a plug-in like a 110 at mm-hmm. home just like an aquarium pump 
the fishing industry finally started marketing them through Marine Metal and Ferry Bill and I've got, a, probably other I've got a few of those from Reno, yeah. just little 110s. It's it's and, a great way to save oh, their battery. They're fantastic. You plug them in and forget about it. Yep. And it, it's a great way. And then when you go fish, use your 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 D-cell battery ones. Yep. Oh, Or 12 volts. Yeah, over here in the laundry room. Yeah. <laughs> I got all the outlets taken, and I got bait coolers everywhere all plugged in. Yep. And the wife goes down and just goes, Jesus. Yeah. When are you going fishing again? Don't worry. Don't <laughs> we have worry. Bait to move. Yeah. Let's see. What else did I have on my list of questions? Uh, bait availability during certain time periods. We kind of touched on that. A little bit, on yeah. The, on the whole, like, creek chubs turning off, leeches turning yeah. off at a certain time. And, and there's times of the year that's probably the hardest is when it gets hot. When we're hot, like from the 4th of July through mid, mid-September, when temperatures are high and water temps are really high, it's harder. To, that's the hardest time to keep bait, and acclimating them is the most important whether it's us taking them out of my bulk tank from the trapper and putting them in our store tanks or you taking them from us to the lake and trying to acclimate them, it's really critical that you try and do that slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, I always recommend when it's really hot and guys come in with little flow troll buckets to kind of just dump in the lake and let them, oh, yeah. you know, because the surface temperature of the lake water is 80 what degrees and our surface, te- our water in our tank is 55, 56 <laughs> <laughs> and like, then they throw in the lake and then yeah. they look over there and they go, why are all my minnows dead? Exactly. Well, it's because you just jumped up there. Could you imagine? It? Well, it'd be like going outside, you know, in the summertime, you got yeah. your air-conditioned house and then you go outside and you want to die when it's 100 degrees. Right. And, and they're cold-blooded. Yeah, and it affects them way more. I've done that once where I really shocked yeah. shocked a bunch of minnows, the temperature thing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times what I do for guys that are doing that is, you know, say they want to get a, a half a dozen sucker minnows. I'll put one or two in their bucket so they can bait up when they get there and I'll put the rest in a bag and they can float that and let them warm up and then mm-hmm. dump them in their flow troll and they still can fish right away and yet they have their backup bait. And that's the kind of service people love if they don't tackle. <laughs> Old school tricks. Love it. Um, Let's see. What are some baits? Now we're just going to get into random questions unless mm-hmm. you got anything else. Well, actually, let's talk about the boat, the shrink wrapping business. Oh, yeah. Shrink wrapping business, uh, a good friend of mine, um, really neat guy named Tom Goodrich, kind of helped us get started into that. Um, Tom also does something called Fishing for Life. So Tom Goodrich got you into that? Yep. Oh. He, he was shrink wrapping boats back then, and we kind of formed a team for a year or two where we worked together on it. And and then I think he was kind of thinking about getting out, maybe selling his that idea or that business he had. And I know he still does them too. I think at least he did last year. I think he's still doing them this year. But then we all—that's when we really started on our own doing it. And it—it's a nice thing for us in the fall because we don't do hunting products, and a lot of guys that fish are hunting in the fall rather than fishing as much. So it gives us a little bit of income doing things that fits our business. So it's been a nice thing that way. And we do it both on site, where that's where we prefer to do it because it's easier for us to staff around. Um, where people drop off their boat and then we do it and they pick it up at the end of the day. And then we also can come to you and do off-site work. Costs a little more if we have to drive to you, but we'll do either. Um, but oh. it's a great way to winterize your, or to put your boat away for the winter. How far and, will you guys drive? Well, we've driven farther than we want to. Um, <laughs> well, okay, so if, so if somebody's wondering... We'd rather stay in the metro, you know, 50-mile okay. radius, or not even that, 30-mile radius would be great. Okay. But um, we've gone significantly farther than that. So if you sweet talk them into uh, 
It yeah. might just cost more for gas yeah. than that in time. but Or some cookies of some sort. Yeah, that too. never hurts. Obviously, if you've ever seen us, we're not skinny, so we must, have, we must <laughs> you, like cookies. You and me both, brother. <laughs> you and me both. Okay, so, yeah, and then depending on if you do it at the shop or you do it on location, it changes the price, but it's still, I mean, it's, oh, it's pretty, still reasonable. It's yeah. pretty, I mean, yeah. average about 200 bucks. Give yeah, take. yeah depends, depending on your depends boat on the length. It's all boat, based yeah. on boat length and sales yeah. tax after that. But yeah, like at our store right now, this year's price is $12 if you drop it off, $12 per foot. And you always add a buck or one more foot for your motor. So if you have a 17-foot boat, we'll charge you for 18 feet of shrink um, plus sales tax. And if we go off-site to your place, unless it's one of those odd, very far locations, it's $15 a foot. And uh, same deal with sales tax and the motor. Mm-hmm. And I've seen you guys do it, so I mean, it's 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 really cool how you guys do it. Yeah, it, it's I mean, a neat substructure. You, you don't really know how much is involved until you sit there and you go, "Man, there's two by fours. There's strapping, strapping the all over. The, it looks like a spider web." Yeah, and then it's oh, okay, time to wear out the arms with the old blowtorch. Yep, standing on a ladder <laughs> leaning over the boat, <laughs> stretching it all out and getting it hot. Yeah, but it does a great job. No, yeah, it, it and it looks good. Mm-hmm. I like how you guys started putting the Vado stickers on. Yeah, this me too. That, well, it took us ten years or whatever it's been to do that, yeah. but we finally figured that out. Um, <laughs> and we finally we didn't we stopped using blue. I I liked the blue initially because it you get the solar effect, so it helps. Oh, blue wrap. The, melt the snow okay. off. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. But the white is so less intrusive if you got it parked in your yard by your house or something, especially in the winter. It's less noticeable. Kind of blends in, case, in, you know. In case somebody decides they want to. That bright blue is woo. Yeah. Well, I saw that on. I was looking at the webpage earlier. And I'm like, oh, they used to do, they used to do blue. Well, now you do white, and that explains that yeah. answer. I mean, we do blue if we have to, but oh, yeah. I oh, mean, if if okay. that's all that's left, but. I want a, I want a custom blue one then. Yeah. All right. You have to buy the whole roll. Cool. <laughs> so yeah, give them a call if you need your boat uh, boat shrink wrapped on site at your place. Really, to, and, and really, I think your prices are right around basically anybody else I've seen. Oh, I think, yeah, we're pretty yeah. competitive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we try to be. Yeah, so it's not too bad. And they do good work. I've seen them do it. Thank you. You're welcome. I must say that all the time because I am grateful. You're too nice. Here's the, here's the thing. Okay, the guys at Vados are way too nice. And they I tell them that, and they tell me, no, we're not. You're too nice. That's right. You're not. We're, we're, we're not. <laughs> They're mean guys. No. Um... All right, now here now let's just ask you a bunch of random questions. Okay, I'm ready for random. What are some baits that aren't around anymore? Baits like live baits? Yeah. Is there anything that, that Well, there's baits that I don't see much of anymore. Yeah, like, like that's frogs, the... live live frogs. Um water dogs, rarely see them. Is um, that just from people not trapping them or they you know, just not I, getting I think trapped? It, I think it's part of that. Um I think a lot of the guys that used to trap them are no longer trapping. Um the old school guys. Yeah, and I think maybe the population isn't what it once was. It, it's close enough to that bottom of the food chain where, who knows, pesticides or those other things that are bad could affect them quicker than other things. Oh, I lost it. Water break. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll take one, too. Shoo. Oh. Fine high V purified drinking water it is wonderful i got a case of this stuff once you know going hunting or fishing so she picks me up a case it tasted so weird really yeah i don't know why ultraviolet rays i don't know she bought it at the store came home i put it in my truck and it tasted funny 
real metally taste or something. That could be your next podcast. Why did my water go bad? We can just do it now. Why did my water go bad? That's above my pay pay grade. I don't wouldn't even know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the part of the podcast we just get weird. So, frogs, water dogs. Those are the two probably that really stick out. And, and red tails are really, at least my pipeline to them is really fading. And I, and I think it's probably showing its face around the state too. Which yeah. is, I think there's been so much harvested. There's it's they're beat down. Population wise, um, I'm not going to lie. I'm part of the problem. Well, you know, as a tournament, they're fisherman, wonderful bait. You go, to, you, you know, I'm not going to no- mention the lakes because that'll just mm-hmm. add to the problem. But anybody who you know, knows knows. Yeah, it's yep. you know tournament yeah. guys. It's yeah, I need ten, twelve dozen yep. as much as I can legally carry. Yeah, you know, and they get beat up. Yeah, they do. And and then we've lost. Unfortunately, we've lost waters that we could trap all year. There's limited times on based on. And um, infested waters like uh, zebra mussel waters, um, and we have lots of restrictions on other parts that we've never really been able to trap. So that it, it faces its own hurdle, and I'd it, I, I I would love to see them become more plentiful. I'd love to see answers to the problem. And we had one really cool guy that um, we bought a lot of bait from for a lot of years that figured out ways to raise them and stuff. But um, it that's been a struggle recently too to try and do it. We sold a lot of bait that he produced. And, and caught, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I wish he was around now. Man. He's around. He just uh, just just cut. doing the. I mean, yeah. You know, it's, it's. I didn't mean he died. I right, mean, right, right, right. Still doing it. Fun guy. Yeah. So is it VHS? Is that the disease that? Well, that's or, one that got in the Great Lakes, which basically shut the shut the state borders down to transport. Um, VHS is a virus that kills some species of fish, and it's waterborne. Um, it was brought in to the Great Lakes in the ballast of ships, and from there it migrated and got into some of the inland waters in Wisconsin, at least the closest one to us, and I think that was probably one of the first. Um, and since then, um, that's why the state of Minnesota no longer allows the big big bait industry part of the side of it to go get bait like shiners out yeah, state. You, you can't bring in bait from other right, states, right. and there's probably states that have red tails. Maybe right. or well, shiners some, yeah, or but it, it, that big, else. The biggest thing that was really moved was shiners, it, yeah. and because Minnesota, the there's not really a network that's big enough to supply the demand, especially for golden shiners in the winter, and especially for big golden shiners in the winter. If I if what I heard was correct, it takes about three years for a golden shiner in Minnesota to get to be about three inches long. Wow. Um, it's very slow growth because of our long winters and yeah, everything else. Cold water, yeah. Um, where they could get big down there, and and that was, that was the reason why we always had giant shiners, and we had, I mean, I could I could order them by size from my bait suppliers, and it was awesome. We sold tons. I mean, it, so where were you getting where were you getting those from? They were they came from Arkansas, I think. Arkansas. Well, somewhere else. Arkansas, down one of them down southern. Yeah, southern exactly. Okay. And they, since VHS showed its face, its ugly face in our in our fishing world they found ways to test waters to prove that or to establish the fact that there's not vhs present and it's clean um and other states in fact even wisconsin the state that it got into first as far as i know um they are allowing importation already again because of that ability to make sure that it's clean um but minnesota has held its held its ground and not is not allowing them yet we're hoping that that battle can be won and we can do it again since it's a perfected system that we're yeah. um, doing it. But well, they're holding their ground to protect our water. 
which and, which you have to understand. I admire, I admire. Yeah, I'm, what they're probably doing is waiting to see right. you know how three five year plan to Correct. see how Wisconsin does. Correct. But I hope there. someday they do. Because well, you, yeah, I mean it, it's yeah, you can only have so much bait here in Minnesota, right? And, and if you got bait shops that are struggling to get bait, but they can make a phone call and have it here in three to five days from Arkansas. Well, the frustrating thing is right now, fishermen will go across the border and get it. Yeah, and we'll go to Everett's. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> and we can't. We're we have to lose that business. We right. have to accept that loss. Yeah, and our and our anglers in our state have to deal with the frustration of no golden shiners left by the 5th of january yeah. or whenever it happens every year since then and you know it's, it's it's put a burden on other baits that we do do well with like sucker minnows we've done well with forever you know that it's just but now they get crushed with the absence of goldies and we have gaps in availability throughout the year here and there right as that goes oh, because of that shiners, oh, pressure. let me get some exactly let me well, get I'll take some sucker minnows yep. yeah but you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll find our way, and hopefully we can per- perfect these systems to be cautious and and well, I hope so, and put them to use. There was another. I th- wasn't. I'm trying to remember. Wasn't there also a worry of a certain bait having um, car- like that flying carp in it or the, oh, the well, silver carp because they look very, very similar in small in their in the, small in the size. Yeah. They, it's very hard to tell them apart. Is that Silver carp from like a... They can uh, look like a fathead. A I mean, fathead when they're down that size, yeah. it's hard to tell. I mean, especially when you're looking at a bunch of bait. Right. Um, and that's one definitely... I mean, they're all worth being very concerned about allowing them into our state. But that that one is a very, very bad one. It does a lot of bad things, let alone just the dealing with them to be on the same water they're already in. Um, well, it's kind of... You know, I'm kind of... Like, I know they're here already. I mean, silver carp are here, and um, they've been found in, uh, oh, which river was that? Was it the Minnesota? They're just not in the numbers like the Illinois. Illinois, where they're just everywhere, and they're well, jumping the all The scary over. thing is, every time the water fluctuates, they'll spawn. Right. It inspires them to spawn, and you know how many times that happens here. Yeah, well, especially, especially when it goes up. Yeah, I think that's what it, especially water goes carp. up, they spawn. <laughs> and I, yeah, from what I, I think carp spawn multiple times a year, too. Yeah, yeah and they spawn yeah. a lot yeah. of times. It's just, it's a ridiculously sad and very, very, well, you're seeing what the struggles are around the country. Oh, yeah. Where they're dealing with it, it's horrible. Um, and they, they are fun to shoot, though. I know, I mean, it could be a whole sport. I, I even saw one place they were shooting with a shotgun. <laughs> I don't know, I've seen that video. I don't know how they got, I do not know how they got away with that. Unless, Must be steel. <laughs> well, it'd have, to be, it'd have to be steel shot for sure, but I don't think, I don't I don't know how that's legal. I know. You can run around a boat. Pretty wild. I mean, I, there's the one where the guys are skiing behind it and they're hitting I saw that, catch them in a landing net. Yeah, catch them landing net, hit them with baseball bats. But I wonder, you know, I'm kind of curious to see how they do in the colder waters of uh, Minnesota. You know, will they be able to survive I think if they, they do? But I think they well, will. they closed what the which which lock was that that they well, closed? I think down in Minneapolis they closed that down because there's no barge traffic traffic up that used to come up. Yeah, you know, just south of 694, and that's like the last barrier. Well, there's if they that, get past and then, that, and there's Coon Rapids Dam too, which yeah. they will. But that that to. one's not. They, there's something like that one isn't necessarily tall enough to say stop them. It might. They could still get there. Yeah. Where this one in Minneapolis, like if they can jump that high, then good for them. Mm-hmm. You know, 
But hopefully, hopefully that won't be happening. Yeah. Otherwise, we're gonna have some happy bull fishermen and pissed off everybody else. Yeah. Well, another one that's gone that, and it's not because they've disappeared. It's just the crayfish. You can't harvest them because of rusty craw. Um, they were. The you state. can if you catch them, you can use them in the bottle correct, of water. Correct. They were caught. We just can't trap and can't, sell them in the store. Yeah. Well, I don't even think like if I, I think you can't the, transport. Yeah, them. you can't transport them. So if you're in Malax and you catch some crayfish. Eat them or leave them in the in the lake. Yep, or fish them in that. Lake. Yeah, fish them in that lake. They Let a smallmouth eat them. Yep, you can't take them back. You know, over to Leech Lake or Gull and fish mm-hmm. them there. They got to be Correct. in the lakes. So, and that was a good bait too. Well, yeah, they're crayfish. Yeah, that was a really good bait. A lot of guys like fishing them. I think that's most of them that are in my lifetime of in the bait world that have kind of slimmed away. I always laughed when I remember hearing Gory talk about when we always sold when we sold water dogs. He would tell somebody new to it. He said, "You don't have to watch your bobber when you're fishing with a water dog. All you got to do is listen for it, because they hit the bait so hard. Oh, they it just squoosh, clacks your bobber. <laughs> well, you can hear the bite. It'd be interesting to fish with those. Yeah, they they do tear them up. I yeah. when I back in the '80s, I worked in a little shop in White Bear, and I had an aquarium that I brought in, and we we had a, a bass that we put in there." Well, that was a bullhead. I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm the water dogs are basically just like salamanders. Yep, they're in, up here. Or the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's there's other species of water dogs that stay water dogs and they stay aquatic like that all their life. And some of them are blind, some of them aren't. And the yellow, black and yellow salamanders that we'd find in our window wells when we were kids. Oh yeah, those guys start out in the water. We were talking about. Well, was it at the shop when we were talking about water dogs the other day? And somebody mentioned that they don't see them anymore. Like be. in just random. Cause I, I remember know. seeing them every once in a while in growing up. Yeah, yeah. I used to find them when I, I was a kid. I probably haven't seen one for twenty five years. Yeah. Other than at the bait shop. Yeah, right. old bait shop or yeah. next to the you know shore, but yeah. you know they'd be out in random neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you don't see them anymore. A lot of things you don't see anymore. Yeah. It's all them. It's all them fertilizers, man. It's all that stuff. It's, it's government conspiracy. <laughs> do, do 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 do. Just like the the. Uh, Leeches, where they go, we don't know. They just stop trapping. It's government. <laughs> <laughs> it's big crawler. That's what it is. I, that's what it is. It's the crawler people. It's big crawler saying, yep. "Okay, that's enough. You guys get three months, and that's you it." Gotta switch to us now. Yeah, kind <laughs> <laughs> of fish crawler. All right, so I know what this answer is. But what's your favorite kind of fish to catch? Mine, whatever bite. No, my favorite is bass. I, that's my favorite. It doesn't matter what kind of bass. I just love fishing for them. You used to you used to fish tournaments. Not I did like a little bit serious. Yeah. Nothing, nothing but. huge, major. I did the Denny Super Thirty and a few other ones around that, and a few weekly ones and things like that. Cash any checks? A few, not near enough. That's part of why I'm not doing that too. First place checks or just like third place? Second, checks? I think was my best. Second, okay. Yep. Disappointing. Just nah. I, I had a blast. You, I was hoping you'd say, "Yeah, I got first place." Nah. nah. I fished against a lot of great guys, a lot of really good fishermen. Most famous guy you've ever fished against in a tournament? Probably by by name would be it probably be Ron Linder, Ted Capra, Dean Capra. Now was quite good. Scotty Bonema. Dean's doing really Mark well. Mark Fisher, yeah. Um, Larry Bolig. Most guys. I, I I don't know for sure if I fished against Larry other than Team Challenge. He might have been done with bass tournament. Well, it's possible. I can't remember for sure. But for him, he was really good too. What got you into fishing? My Who? grandpa. Your my grandpa? Dad. Yeah. My dad didn't hunt, um, but 
he did like fishing a little bit. And when, when I was really young, my grandpa, uh, my mom's dad was a farmer and there was a lake right down the road and he, he loved to fish. He loved everything about fishing. He liked to eat fish too, but he would, he'd hook the tractor up to the, to his boat and drag us down to the lake and we'd go fish. And that got me started. Panfish, bass. Everything that just bit. whatever. Yeah. Back was there. it a good pond? Was, was everything in there? Oh my gosh, the fish were incredible. I was little, but they were huge. Eating ten inch bluegills, like oh, who cares? Yeah, those are they'll be there for like, yeah. they'll be there. They'll be there forever. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. there was no, there probably wasn't even a limit then. Oh no. Even even in my lifetime, it was fifty in aggregate between them and crappies. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> a person. Yeah. And then people wonder, and then people wonder why we're why they're thin now. Yeah. yeah. Why, yeah. Why we can't <laughs> find a ten incher in Medicine Lake? That's because they. Well, it's funny. I was at you know um, uh, at Hardy's. Uh-huh. One day, and I'm talking to him. I'm like, he's got all these like 13, 14, 15s and whatnot on the wall. And I go, are there any more of these in here? He goes, no. And this is why. <laughs> we fished them out if we'd have known. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, back then you didn't go home till the bucket or the net was full, you know. Well, yeah. And it's, you go out and you catch a, you know, one guy catches a giant bucket to feed the whole family. Mm-hmm. But we know better now. Practice, practice catch and release when you can. Yeah. And if you're going to take a big bluegill, take the female, don't take the male. Keep enough to eat. Yeah. Go back again. Go fish again. Yeah. Don't bite again. Yeah. I rarely eat fish anymore. It's kind of sad. Favorite, if you could only fish one setup. For, one setup? One setup for bass oh. the rest of your life. Oh. We know it'd be bait casting. I'd have to give it up. Oh. We know it'd be bait casting. Yeah, that would, we know it'd be bait casting. That's for sure. What, what? What lure common what's on the end what are you throwing for the rest of your life one setup i'll let you change from light to dark in the color so you don't <laughs> have, you know so you don't have to say you know certain color but if you're to one setup no matter where you go fishing what would it be i guess i would probably say a texas rig worm of some sort a texas rig some kind of plastic i know there's a ton of ways i catch a lot of fish on besides that no okay go we'll get more specific with the plastic oh because a worm could be a sanko could be a big well, trip, that's trip that's worm. right, but I, why would I want to live with just one of them? Because you're forever? only getting one. I setup. thought you meant no, setup. No, no, no. You're getting uh, one bait, one hook, one whatever it is. Oh. It's a Texas rig, with or without weight. Well, the bad thing about that question is some of the colors that were my favorites like two, three years ago, they're not anymore. I catch them on totally different colors. So if I picked one now, two years from now, I'd be hating the fact that I've stuck with that color. You know I, I told mean? you. I told you. You get a light and you get a dark. Oh. <laughs> okay. So you don't have to get specific with color. <sighs> I have so many favorites. I don't even know how to answer. It'd be that. a trick worm, I bet. It, that'd be a good one, but I, I think I'd probably go with even the most common seven-inch power worm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good setup. Probably. Probably. It'd be hard. I'd have to give up the game if I got stuck with just one. No, because, see, that's that's where it's the rest of your life you challenge yourself to catch as many fish on that one <laughs> setup as you possibly can. Well, let's say the zombie apocalypse happens. Right. You know, be a, and then a there's nuclear more... blasts everywhere. You're the yeah. last person on Earth, and you want to run into Vados Bait and Tackle, and there's one rod, one reel, one worm, one hook left in the world. Mm. You know, and one bait. Well, that's easy, then. I'd be fishing that one. <laughs> <laughs> but you could choose before it disintegrated. 
We all know what I'd pick. Yes, I do. And it's a great way to catch fish, too. I'm the wacky king. I, I would miss fishing that one, that's for sure. I'm the wacky king, and I don't care what kind of hook it is. I'm going to start messing around with all sorts of different hooks, mm-hmm. like mushroom heads. Because I already use, you know. Oh, yeah, that works I switched, I switched just to, the, like, the number one or number two octopus. Mm-hmm. Yep. From, I used to use the big number three Gamagatsu offset, this, mm-hmm. that, and the other, and then I kept getting hung up on everything. Yeah. But I think I'm going to start messing with different hooks. Yep. Just because. It's so fun. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, fishing, you never stop learning. Right. Never I mean, if you learning. stop trying, you're not going to not gonna do what you could have no. done. Then you're going to go to bed every night thinking, gosh, if I'd have just tried that, who knows what I would have right. caught. Well, on the Gull, Gull Lake tournament, I took an entire, a full-size craw mm-hmm. and put it on a, on a um, we put them on uh, chatterbaits. Mm-hmm. Full size. We didn't yeah. even we didn't even sure. cut them down or nothing. I mean, sure. thing was god awfully huge. Yeah. Well, that's what we cut our fish on. Yeah. Big but, old body. I even talked to the kids. I don't. It was a juiced bait one. I even talked to the kids about that. He goes, "You put the wrong one on there. <laughs> this this the wrong plastic no, using a chatterbait." I go, where I got, finished. I'm like, I got fourth. <laughs> so I think that's right. I'm sure you kids probably killed us because those. I mean, all those high school kids are fantastic. Yep. The weights they had. How did they? Weren't they like 17, 18 pounds for first? It's rigged. It's got to be. <laughs> Because first place in ours was, you know, the old men's was mm-hmm. just under 12. Meanwhile, these kids are out there catching 15, 16 pounds. They're, They're just good. They're just good. They got. They don't have to do anything. They just go fish. Yeah. They don't have to work. Right. <laughs> just fish. What a great time of life, huh? Wow. I'm, I wish they would have had them high school leagues when we were kids. Oh, tell me about it. I know. I'm, I'm sitting here alone. You know, I'm only 30, 37 years old, and it's like, I'm not that f- Far removed, am I? What a wonderful twenty thing. years, I guess. What a great thing. Well, and they're they're expanding and expanding and expanding and expanding. More leagues, more teams. Keep it's, going. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see kids being able, and the kids are getting scholarships. Yeah. To go fishing. Yeah. I mean, what? It's incredible. It's just awesome. Yeah, and my goal is to you know, hey, let's just you know get good enough grades to get into college, and these kids they're <laughs> they're out here fishing, getting scholarships, full rides to go fish and then they're gonna get sponsors yeah what a life how cool what a country <laughs> yeah can't i mean, can't complain about it too too much what is your favorite slash best fishing story of all time oh man these this is probably the most boring stat in the world oh, i have to i'd have to be the biggest bass ever caught how big uh, i was just over eight Caught it in Wisconsin on opener with Aaron Lovin, one of my favorite all-time fishing partners. Um, great guy. We were on this little lake. We kind of had to, we left our lake. We left where we were fishing. We are kind of hunting around for a new place to fish. It was probably the first time I think I was on this lake since I was a little kid fishing from the shore. It wasn't far from my grandparents' farm. And um, <clears throat> it was windy, and this lake kind of had enough coves, and it was small enough that you get out and really fish. And we tried that. We found this. There's a little island on it. We found a saddle between that one and an island next to it. We thought, this is it. We're going to smack them out here. Perfect. Because opening in Wisconsin usually is pretty good numbers of fish. It's usually a good time. Excuse me. And then. Uh, Water break. <clears throat> we got bit a couple times out by, that, out by the islands. And then we <clears throat> saw this little backwater channel leading into this real shallow, flooded area on the lake and we got in there and I had a um, storm oh, I can't remember the thunderstick junior 
fire mm. tiger. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, tied, weird fire tiger. Tied on to, as a twitch bait, you know. And we're pulling in, and I see this little branch sticking up out of the water, and I saw that it was part of a tree that had fallen in the lake, and it was under all of it was underwater. At this point, in the middle of the deepest part of it, we were probably four or five feet, so it was definitely a shallow area. And I threw that thunder stick up maybe a foot or so from that branch that was sticking out of the water. It was just a little twig. And uh, I twitched it once, and it got sucked in. And I set the hook, and I knew right away it was a nice fish, but I had absolutely no idea it was that kind of fish. And... um I was kind of, Aaron was on the bow running because we were in his boat, and I was kind of standing back behind him a little bit, and he knew right away it was a good fish too. And I don't even remember how long the fight was. It was it was just incredibly exciting. And when I finally got it to the boat and I got it around the corner, Aaron went to reach down on it and, and grab, it, grab it by the jaw, and I, it raised up and it opened its mouth. And Aaron, <laughs> Aaron's got pretty large hands, and he's not a little guy. <laughs> it was like it devoured, you know. I yeah. mean, he pulls this thing up, and it kept getting bigger as it's breaking the surface. And it was only right about 21, maybe just slightly over 21 inches long. So it was very short. 21 inch for that pounds? size. It was Jesus. just a rumbling tank. That's a that's a football. Oh, and we got a couple pictures and stuff like that in the boat. And I'm holding it. We're both kind of wow. That was incredible. How fun, you know? What a fish. And. uh after we let it go, I just looked at Aaron. And I said, my gosh, I got to sit down. <laughs> I got to stop for a minute, Aaron. That was too cool, you know, just to, to whole catch it. It wasn't yeah. like it was an incredible long fight, but it was just perfect. You know, I threw that thing out there. It landed right where you, where I thought I wanted it, and it was the spot because I twitched it once, and wham, that fish, she came off. Oh, just incredible. That's probably one of my favorite things when you, when you cast it. And before, I mean... You're halfway through a crank on that that reel, and it just, boom, fish. Mm -hmm. And it always, it seems to be the bigger ones do that. Mm. It's not them, not always the little ones. Like the little ones kind of go up and look at it and then eat it. The big ones are just like, yeah, it's meal time. Boom, done. Well, sir, I think that's all I got for you today. That was quite a bit of talking. Well, we're at an hour and a half, almost an hour and a half. Wow, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. Thank you, Doug. Well, thanks, thanks for being on. I and as long it. as everybody can hear this, whoever listens to this, if you are a Vados customer or if you're thinking of being one, thank you. Thank you for all the years of fun and incredible business and everything that you've given me. It's been a blessing in my life, and I thank all of you. And that is the mark of somebody who deserves to have you go shop at their business. These guys, you know, like I said before, you guys are awesome people. Thank you, Doug. I mean, you're genuinely just good guys. Um, you know, we've been out fishing a couple times or yeah. once we've been, Need we, to be more. well, we've been, we've been fishing once together, threatened to do it more. And while, okay, let's, let's get into one of my favorite stories here. <laughs> we won't end the podcast quite yet. There's no time limit. We go fishing. I wacky rig all day. Even in the deep water. It was Even in, yeah. What, what were we? 30 feet well, probably, well, the 25? baits were falling about 18, 19. Yeah, okay. And Doug's waiting for him to go down there. And he's getting a fish almost every time the thing oh, yeah. hits the bottom. Well, I would set my rod down. Yeah. and I'd cast it and I'd set throw it down. and get bit too. It was just that kind of spot. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was a great time yeah. to be there. But yeah, he's um, wacky worming in 18 feet. Oh, yeah. Wacky rig all day. He, he just let her sink. <laughs> just wait for that line to all of a sudden start going one way or the other and then set the hook. And you're 
Texas and oh, this so and that fun. and the other. That was a good time. So fun. Spotlock yeah. was awesome that day. Yes. Yes, it was. Spotlock Spotlock's my favorite thing in the it's world. It's a great thing. Yes. Especially when you're uh, rigging creek chubs for oh, walleye. Yeah. And all of a sudden you feel that rod go, boink. Spotlock, let them feed it, let them eat it. All know, right, that's right, you're a walleye guy. You go, boink. Yeah, you just hit the button. <laughs> the button on the remote, stop. All right, go ahead and eat it. We're good to go. But in all reality, people, Greg and Eric, two of the finest guys I've ever dealt with in the fish, okay. fishing industry, um, genuinely good guys. Everybody that works there, I don't think I've met one of them. Billy can get a little cranky from time to time. <laughs> Just don't poke the bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Billy's a good kid, too. I like Billy. He is. He's, 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 he's that quiet funny. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, he'll just say something out of nowhere, and it's like, what, what are you even talking about? I love when I'm working in the office and Billy's working, because I always hear him laughing up there when a customer comes in. At some point oh, in yeah. the time the customer's there, yep. you're going to hear Billy laughing, and it's just great. Mm-hmm. So... Yes, please check out Vados Bait and Tackle, Spring Lake Park, Minnesota. Website is VadosBait.com. VadosBait.com. Facebook at Vados Bait and Tackle. Thank you very much, Greg. And check out SmackDown Outdoors podcast because there's a whole lot of better people coming your way after me. Well, they're already <laughs> checking it out if they're listening to this. I don't know if I have anybody as cool as you. Well, I might. I don't know. I think he does. <laughs> Greg. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the SmackDown Outdoors podcast with me, your host, Doug Glimmerveen. Check us out on Facebook. Pretty simple. SmackDown Outdoors podcast. Give it a like. Leave us some comments. Tell us some things you'd like to hear in future episodes. You want to be a guest? Shoot us a message. You don't have to be a professional. Just have a good few, uh, a good couple, uh, you know, hunting and fishing stories. That's all we ask. Until next time, people, have a great day. Stay safe out there. We'll see you next time.